Welcome to Wolfstack with me, Michael Jones. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of season two of Wolfstag. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, it's a pleasure to have you back if you've listened to this before, if you haven't listened to this podcast before. What I'm trying to do in a very roundabout kind of way is talk about uh, self-care, self-care in these times um, and happy, finding you happy. You know, we're a, we're a short life, really, um, and we need to make the best of it while we're here. And it's difficult times right now. Um, so we absolutely, absolutely need to make the best of a situation that we've got going on right now. That sounds really down, doesn't it? What a, what a depressing way to start a podcast. Let's have some fun. Yay! Hurrah! That's fireworks, by the way. Boom, boom. Um, so what we got this week? Oh, oh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, obviously, there's been an awful lot of stuff going on in the news this week. Um, and there's an awful lot going on in society at the moment. Um, so I just want to address a few things there with a few other little extra little bits and pieces put in. That's telling you an awful lot. We're saying nothing at all, really, wasn't it? That was, that was a political answer, that was. I've given you a load of stuff and said nothing. But do you know what? Who likes spoilers? I don't want to spoil the surprises. Um, so sit back, settle down, have a listen, and enjoy the ride. Let's see what's going on in the Wolfstag week. Welcome to this week's Wolfstag week. So what's been going on this week? <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, really, what hasn't been going on this week? Um, well, obviously, th th there's been two big political news stories this week. And as I record this um, on on Thursday lunchtime, going into Thursday afternoon, we are at uh, a pivotal moment, I suppose, in, in both. Uh, the first one's the US election, which, as it stands at the moment, is turning out to be a, a closer run race than I think many people had anticipated. As it stands right now, as a little footnote in history uh joe biden is on the verge of the presidency of america um by the time this goes out that might have changed donald trump might have caught up that's not looking likely right now um but by the time you you, you listen to this biden could be president uh, president-elect at least anyway um, and it's been really interesting to watch how all that unfolds over in the States. Um, you know, and it, it's kind of, I've got real mixed feelings about it because in one sense it's kind of renewed my faith in democracy. But uh, in the other hand, it's kind of give it a bit of a knock as well with some of uh, the obvious tricks that's going on now uh, by Trump and his camp. Um, you know, not getting into politics, he, he's obviously playing the system right now. That's that's what we can see. You know, he's wanting to sue. He's wanting to stop the election early, not have ballots counted, um, and it's just undemocratic. You know, regardless regardless of where your politics lie to the left, to the right, to the centre, you know, you you trust and you uphold the democratic process because everybody has a right to their to their voice and to be heard. And if you're going to just dismiss 
a whole chunk of votes because you don't feel like it's going to go in your favour, then, you know, that's where fascism lies. You know, that's where a dictatorship lies. So they're on very dangerous ground at the moment. So the people, I think, in America, the lawmakers, you know, and the, and the, the Supreme Courts and stuff, they've got some really big decisions to make now. And I hope they make the right decisions for the right democratic and political reasons and not to appease a sitting president because nobody, nobody is bigger than the people and the country. Um, and don't, doesn't matter where you are, you know, one, no one man is bigger than that. Unfortunately, but you know, I believe he thinks he is, um, you know, there, there seems to be enough evidence there to back it up. So we'll see how that pans out. It's an interesting watch, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, with, with the political turmoil that, that, I think the West has been through over the past few years, us very much particularly, America very much particularly. It's um, strange old times that we live in, people. It is strange old times. But the thing to remember is, is, and for someone who has studied history and who has uh, an interest in history and what has gone before, this will be a footnote in in our history at some point in the future. It will be something that we look back upon in, in very much the same way that, I mean, believe it or not, next September the 11th is 20 years, 20 years since those terrorist strikes in New York City. And I, as a, as a youth worker, as a tutor to young people, go out and, and speak to young people. And the generation that I speak to weren't born when that happened. And for them, it is history. It's historical. It's historical record. It was before their time. So they have a very different take and perspective on it because they weren't around to see it. Um, for someone like me, and I know, you know, people of, of, of my age, it still feels very real, you know, and, and, the, and the fear and the terror of that day still feels very real. And we'll never forget that. There are certain things that happen in your life that you will you, you're never gonna forget. You know, it just leaves an indelible mark. Um, but this will be one of those times. This will be a page in our in our history books. It is the moment that we live in right now. And I know some people will get very anxious about what's happening right now. And I think it's you know to you know th th there's right to have a, a degree of trepidation and fear. Uh, but you need to remember not to let it overrun your lives because this will pass as all things pass, you know, and it will be something that we look back on. Um, so do do bear that in mind. You know, it's it's strange times, but, you know, we'll, we will get through it. Um, what else has happened this week? Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen of England, we are in lockdown part two. Uh, they say the sequels are never as good as the original. Okay, well, maybe with the exception of The Godfather, but, you know. Um, yeah, we're in it again. We are in it again. And, and a little bit later on in the podcast, I want to just address that and some of the issues around it because, you know, we, we've learned a lot from the first time round and hopefully we've learned some coping mechanisms. But coming out of it felt like a great weight off our shoulders, um, and going back into it now feels like a real sort of like punch in the gut. Um, but again, we need to remember that we will get through this. And 
coronavirus and lockdown and everything that's happened with 2020 will one day be a page in our in our history books it will be something that we tell our children and grandchildren about um you know and you know the generations of the future will ask it about what you did in the lockdown and we need to make sure we keep that perspective on all of this right now but we're in it again you know we are and we we just have to make the best of the situation that we're in really don't we because what other options do we have you know we can't you know um it's like that serenity prayer you know isn't it really um you know recognize the things we can change you know recognize the things that we can't and be smart enough to know the difference between the two <laughs> massively misquoting that really i need to i need to find it out properly to read it out to you if you've never heard it before um so give us a chance and i'll, I'll do that for you in a bit um but yeah, you, you do have to have that sort of stoic, sort of outside looking in focus on this now. Um, otherwise, if you feel like you're in the middle of, of the storm, you know, it's just going to drive you mad. And we don't need to, you know, it's going to be harsh. It's going to be heavy for some people. I get that. I understand that. You know, some people are going to be furloughed. Some people are going to be losing their jobs and they're going to be going through tough times. This is where, as a community, now we need to come together. And if you have friends, neighbours, people in your community who are struggling right now, reach out a helping hand. Do do whatever you can do. If they've got kids that's you know that's going hungry, you know, just ex extend you know that that helpline and go. Hey, do you know what? Here's, I'll cook a meal tonight. You know, we'll we'll pass it over the fence. Don't worry about it right you know we watch each other's backs that's what we're good at it's what we do you know at the end of the day don't look to politicians to solve your problems right i'm not going to be down on, on politics it has its place but sometimes i think we put far too much emphasis on what they can do for us and, and now it's it's time that, that that we sort of took back some control of that right because they're not going to do it for us are they you know we're putting our faith in people who are just not going to deliver so we we need to do what, what we do. And we're good at that. We're fantastic at that. We step up in times of need. You've only got to watch things like Children in Need and Comic Relief every year. You know, people just donate, you know, millions and millions of pounds. You know, when there's things happening around the country, we dig in and we help out. You know, you might call it that blitz spirit. Um, but it's what we do as a people. It's what we do as a community. It's what we do as the human race. You know, I'm not going to say it's an English thing or a British thing, right? You, you, you might want to uh, prescribe it to that, but I think it's a people thing. It's a human thing. The people of France will be doing it. The people of Italy will be doing it. You know, people across America will be doing it. You know, so it's a it's a human instinct and it's a human trait to, to, to help our brothers and sisters. So, you know, if you can do that, uh, brilliant. Now, sadly, um, one of the things that did happen this week is... Uh, we lost a, a genuine icon in the world of cinema and culture. Uh, we lost Sir Sean Connery. Um, now, let's be honest, guys. He was ninety. He was. He, you know, he'd lived a really very good life. He, you know, he he died in his sleep in his bed at home in the Bahamas. If you're gonna go, 
that's that's the way to go. So I don't want to mourn and, and grieve his, his his passing. You know, he's he's had a fantastic life and he's he's given us absolutely so much. But yeah, he, he's a he was a unique one off and he will absolutely be missed. Now I'm a I'm a massive Bond fan. I love James Bond. Um and I think for me, Daniel Craig at the moment is really absolutely killing it. And it's going to be a real shame to to see him vacate, you know, that role and and who steps up. You know, to fill his shoes, you know, very sizable shoes in the future is going to be one to watch and where they take that. But every bond that's gone since Connery has said Connery's bond. And he is, you know, as much as I love the modern Daniel Craig films, Bond is Sean Connery. You know, it's those iconic scenes on the beach in Dr. No where Ursula Andress yeah, comes out of the comes out of the sea. You know, it's it's him being sat at that a gaming table in the casino and uttering those iconic lines. You know, it's those looks, it's that smile, you know, it's that wink that he gives. He just gave that role so much charisma and brought it to life. And we would not have this 50-plus year history of James Bond films had it not been for that man. I don't think anybody else in that role would have turned it into what it is today. So thank you for that. Um, but for me, growing up, I mean, obviously his role in Bond is something that, that was before my time. You know, that's something I watched Sunday afternoons or Christmas on TV growing up, you know, watching the, watching the Bond films. Um, what I remember, though, particularly from Sean Connery is, is those roles sort of like in the 80s that I remember, particularly Highlander. Now, I'm a massive fan of the film Highlander. Um which is, if you've never seen it, it's about um, an immortal Scotsman. I know it's it's a little bit, it's a little bit fantasy. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more than a little bit fantasy, isn't it? Really, he is um, a Highlander, the Highlands of Scotland, and he is killed in battle in oh, the fifteen hundreds, what I think it was, uh, and comes back to life. Um, and the idea is him and a gang of immortals. People seem to be struck with immortality uh, and they battle through the ages um, with the idea being they're going to come together at some point and there will be only one, right? And the way you, uh, mortals can live for hundreds of years, thousands of years even, uh, but the only way you can kill an immortal is to take the head. So there's a lot of sword play going on with it. There's a, there's a lot of beheadings. I'm selling this to you now, aren't I? You're loving this. Um but it's a, it's a great movie, and Sean Connery's outstanding, and he play, he plays um, he plays a, an Egyptian Spaniard, weirdly, uh, with a ponytail and a thick Scottish accent, because that's Connery at the end of the day, and he's just brilliant. And uh, yeah, I just kind of got into the, into the guy at that point, you know, and you kind of see the stuff that he does. I mean, if you've never seen um, uh, the Untouchables, oh my word. It's just an incredible film. Uh, him and um, uh, what's his name? Played Robin Hood, Kevin Costner. Um, it's just brilliant. The tale of Elliot Ness and Chicago and the gangsters. Robert De Niro playing uh, Al Capone. It's an amazing movie. It's fantastic. And again, the film has just added this this weight. Even with with people like Costner and and De Niro in there, the film has added such an extra weight by. Connery's presence in that in that role, so he's he's probably going to be missed. He's Indiana Jones's dad, you know. 
Last Crusade is the best of the indie films, and it's because of the relationship with 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 him and and Harrison Ford in that movie. You know, he's, he's just kind of the, the people like him come along, you know, once, absolutely once in a lifetime. So, so Sean, I raise a glass of whiskey to you, um, and I hope wherever you are, there's a cracking golf course you can play. So I just mentioned the serenity prayer and I didn't have it at hand to, to read it out to you and, and got it completely all over the place. Um, but you can Google it online and what I'll do if you follow me on social media, I'll post it on my Instagram so you can so you can actually read it there for yourselves. Now, it is it's called a serenity prayer, all right? Um, but by no means do you have to be religious for this message uh, to be true. I'm not um I'm not a particularly a religious man at all. I might count myself as spiritual, but I don't. Um, I don't prescribe to one particular faith. Um, but that doesn't mean you you can't have you know spiritual feelings and spiritual leanings. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. So the Serenity Prayer um, goes like this: God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can. And wisdom to know the difference. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that just as a as a lesson for life? Doesn't it say so much? Because I think in this world where we get so anxious and stressed and depressed about things we have literally no control over, you know, um, we take so much on our shoulders. You know, we we carry so much burden, and a lot of it's completely unnecessary. You know, and it's right to be concerned about things that's happening in our world. You know, it's right to be concerned about what happens politically in America or what happens politically uh, in this country or in China or in Russia and the things that go on there. It's it's completely right to 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 be concerned about what's happening environmentally in our world. When you listen to David Attenborough and you know the lessons that that he's trying to get across there. It's right to be concerned about those things. But if you're taking them on board your shoulders and letting them drag you down, you're of no help to anybody. Okay, so that serenity prayer is absolutely, absolutely true. You know, accept the things I cannot change. You know, if, if the world is set in a certain way and, and you can't do anything about it, then why why fret? You know, it's that saying, you, you know, um, no point crying over spilt milk. It's completely that, you know, what is done is done. And no amount of your, you know, emotional turmoil is going to alter that fact. So sometimes you do have to be a little bit stoic and just, you know, gird your loins, shrug your shoulders and move on. But absolutely, though, the next part of that is true. Courage, courage to change the things I can. If you, in your small way, can contribute to make something better, I think we, as a as a people, as a human race, have a responsibility to do that. You know, environmentally, if our little piece of recycling can make a difference, you know, we all play our little part, we all do our little bit, and collectively it makes a massive difference. It's the same with giving to charity. Not one of us out here listening to this has got a million pounds to give to a nominated charity. But when, as I mentioned before, you know, like a child, uh, uh, children in need 
or a comic relief comes along, you know, we put our pounds in, or two pound, three pound, five pound, ten pound, whatever. Okay, and that's not going to fix the world that little bit, but collectively it makes a massive difference. And you can see the millions and millions of pounds that they've raised off the back of us all doing our tiny little part. Worker ants, okay, on their own, you know, they, they can't do a lot, but together they can, you know, they can move mountains. But then knowing the difference between the two, and that's the key last part of that wisdom to know the difference. Be smart enough to recognize the things that you can't change and the things that you can play your part in, okay? And make your judgments accordingly, you know? It's, it's love it. I absolutely love it. Like I said, I'll post it for you out there so you can you can go away and read it. And, you know, if you've never come across this before, print it off. Buy it. You can get them framed these days. You know what it's like? You can go to Amazon. You buy anything on Amazon. Um, you know, stick it on your wall. You know, read it every day. You know, as a, as a little mantra, you know, for, for our day-to-day -day lives. I think it's fantastic. So, yeah. So, that's the Serenity Prayer. So, we're heading into a new lockdown, guys. Um, and I don't want anybody to fall into depressive traps of what I'm going to do with that. You know, we've got through it once before, and I'm sure we'll get through it again. Now, I choose to be an optimist in, in, in these times, even though we're faced with, you know, awful things, you know, loss of life and stuff like that. Again, serenity prayer idea, isn't it? I, I, I can't change that other than the actions I can do in terms of adhering to lockdown, keeping myself safe, wearing my mask, washing my hands, keeping a distance, you know, all the stuff we're being asked to do. So that is, you know, playing our part and that, that's absolutely fine. Right. But we absolutely need to make sure that we are looking after ourselves. You know, this podcast is all about self-care and finding you happy. Right. And in these times where we have losses of freedoms, we need to be finding the things that that make us happy, that keep our brains uh, working. Um, that keep our connections with our outside world going, right? We, we, we're an ecosystem at the end of the day, and we need our connections. We need our connections with nature. We need our connections with other people, right, as part of the ecosystem. Um, it keeps us sane, and it keeps us moving forward, and we've got to keep moving forward. Um, now, it's not, to, it's not to brag by any means. I'm just, I'm very sort of, I do try and be these days a glass half full sort of person i used to fall into negative thinking traps in the past and it doesn't help anybody at all so i, I the lessons life has taught me so far is every time something negative has happened in my life there's, there's usually been a, a positive that's um that's come from it that's spawned from it i wouldn't be where i am today had it not been for some of the tough things that i've gone through in my life in the past you know uh job losses and and stuff like that and struggles with mental health you know it's brought me to a point where i am now and i've got the wisdom now to look back and go yeah that path has led me to where i am you know there were struggles there were hard times but you know i wouldn't be doing what i do if it hadn't been for, for those experiences so you know it's it's made me it's made me stronger you know diamonds are formed under pressure that's what they say um so i chose it lockdown this year to 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 view it that way and some of the things that maybe i, I kind of toyed with doing in the past um 
I thought, well, you know, this is an opportunity to do it. Hence why now I've got the podcast, you know, I've got the poetry book, I've got the website, I've got the photography, things that I kind of toyed with in the past, but I thought, no, now's the time to really go, let's turn this into a positive. Now, over the coming weeks, lockdown is going to be four weeks at least, possibly could be longer. Who really knows at the end of the day? Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like for me yet in terms of the things that I might do. Probably, you know, if I can do, go out and do some more photography. Certainly going to carry on writing. Um, you know, the, the the book is coming along. But I want you to think of something, guys. I want you to I want you to sit down and go, look, you know, it, it's easy to park yourself in front of the TV for the next four weeks, especially if you're furloughed. You know, hit the box sets. You know, Netflix and Amazon are gonna absolutely love that, aren't they? I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest you maybe do something different. You know, go and pick up a pad and some pencils and draw. You know, you might have not, you might not have done it in 10, 20, 30, 40 years because school knocks the love of art out of you. You know, and you get that, I'm not, you get that self message of, you know, I'm not good at art. I don't know how to do it. You know, I'm rubbish when I draw. Do you know what? If you enjoy it, do it. That's all it's about at the end of the day. It's pleasure. You know, learn to sing, learn to dance, get in the kitchen and bake something. You know, teach yourself how to cook. You know, pick up those books that, you know, I bet most of you out there have a pile of books that's just waiting to be read. Pick one of those up and drop yourself into another world that will take you, you know, it'll take you to other places. It's whatever you can do to keep you sane um, in the in the coming you know, in the coming weeks and, and potentially months. Um, and if you can do that, you've done well. During the first lockdown, and as we are heading into the new one, one of the things that I've really noticed is as much as the vast majority of, of the populations are adhering to the rules, when you get into places like restaurants and shops, particularly when you're shopping, places that are normally crowded, sometimes I've noticed automatic thinking kicks in and where you should be socially distancing, old habits which are hard to get out of, you know, fall back into place. So people aren't being as aware of the surroundings uh, as they should be. Now, if we're going to keep ourselves safe and stop this awful awful disease and its tracks we really need to start thinking about being a little bit more uh, observant and thoughtful when we're in our environments and this for me comes down to two particular things to think about one is something called situational awareness right now this is not something you have to learn this is natural behaviors you just need to be more aware of it's something that we can all do just with a little bit more thought, all right? And it's very much tied into this thing called, now I'm going to, I'm going to say a phrase here now, which is probably going to strike terror into most people's hearts and dread. It's something called a dynamic risk assessment. Now, bear with me here, because now you're going to go, oh, is health and safety mad, you know, risk assessing, stuff like that. It's not that by any means. For those of you who are drivers, you dynamically risk assess. You don't get into your car today and drive off blindly because yesterday it was fine. Every day you get into your car and you sit behind the wheel, your state of alertness raises. 
you get in, you check your mirrors, you check your rear view mirror, your side mirrors, you, you look through all your windows, you look around, okay? You, you pull away down the street, you're looking for cars coming towards you, you know, or the traffic coming out of side roads, you're looking for pedestrians, you're looking for children, you're looking for animals. You're in a heightened state of awareness, okay? And you are looking at the road. Every time you drive down a road, and you can drive down it a thousand times. If you're a, a safe and careful and competent driver, you are constantly looking for dangers around you. And I often think a lot of accidents are caused by people who, who just switch off, right? And the road they've driven down a thousand times, they get complacent and they just blindly drive down it because, yeah, it was fine and it's always been fine, right? Everything's always fine until something happens. Now, that is called a dynamic risk assessment, all right? As soon as you enter a new space, a new area, you view it with new, with new eyes, all right? You look at it as if it's the first time you've been there. And you're looking for dangers and you're looking for, for hazards and stuff like that. What I'm going to suggest to you is you take that driver's mentality and that driver's thinking and you take it into your outside spaces, your living spaces, your workspaces, your leisure spaces, your shopping spaces. And you view that world as if you've stepped through those doors for the very first time. Okay. And you assess it for the fresh dangers because dangers can happen. As on a road, they can happen at any time, you know, uh, and they can happen out of the blue, right? So you have to be a little bit more alert. Now, in this world when we're dealing with a global pandemic and potentially anybody could be a carrier of that, we probably need to be a little bit more aware of what's going on around us, okay? We need to be thinking about that pe that person walking towards us or if we approach a, a you know a corner in a supermarket and we turn round it, we need to be aware that there might be somebody stood there or walking towards us. You know, we need to be aware that you know other people could be carrying this this disease. We could be carrying it. We don't want to be giving it to to anybody else. So what can we do to make sure that we're not passing it to anybody? So we need to be making sure that we're watching our our distances between people. We need to be aware of our peripheral vision. Often we're blinkered. And you know what it's like? You've seen people in supermarkets. They're looking for an item on a shelf and they're just so blinkered and, and single-minded. They just really don't see what's going on around them. And we really need to open up that field of vision, really take in what's behind us, what's left, what's right. Okay, have that awareness of what's going on around you. Yep, you might need your shopping. You might need to pick stuff up. You might be in a hurry, but you still need to be aware of your surroundings. Okay, watch your back in that respect. You need to be just every now and again, just checking behind you. Okay, again, it's having that 360 degree view of your space and what's happening within that. You need to be taking advantage of reflective surfaces even, you know, if you're walking down the street, if you've got, you know, walking down a road with with cars, you know, if you've got a car that's parked by the side of you and they've got a rear view mirror, you know, if, if even you can you can use that, you can use the, the glass in their back and side windows to, to see what's going on around you. You don't have to be stopping and just constantly looking around yourself to see what's going on. You know, make them your friend, make them your ally. You know, use the, use the stuff that's that's around you. Really, you know, think about think about an invisible circle that's around you. Okay, imagine you're walking down the street and there's this glow that's like a meter wide that surrounds your body, and you don't want anybody entering it. All right, kind of think like that. Sounds weird, 
Well, it's what you do in a car, isn't it, really? Right? When you're driving down the road and you're passing all the traffic, you're not thinking about, will it touch me? Will it touch my arm? Will it touch my leg? You're thinking, will it touch the exterior of my car, which is external to you, which is wider to you? So you're thinking a wider sort of bubble, okay? Imagine when you're walking down the street then that you're driving in your car. That's how you can do it, okay? And it's it's not something you have to learn to do. It's something we can all do. And it's something you just need to be more thoughtful about. Because what we don't want is lockdown number three, number four, number five. And as hard as the next few weeks, couple of months is going to be, if we can just stick to the rules and make sure that we're we're looking after ourselves and each other, hopefully this time we can nip it in the bud. And hopefully 2021 could be the 2020 that we all hope for. Now more than ever, it's really important that we protect our mental health. It's been a tough, tough year. You don't need me to tell you that, you know, and as much as some of us are resilient to it, and I've had many years now of, of, of working in the field of mental health and, and, and knowing about resilience and building resilience, I'm a little bit stronger in that respect now, but I'm fully aware that not everybody is, and especially if this year has caught you um, off guard, unawares. Um, please, if you you know struggling out there at the moment especially with the lead up to to christmas which is always a tough time anyway please do reach out to someone to speak to right you can head over to uh the mind website they're absolutely fantastic um and you can speak to someone directly there if you're really struggling you can speak to samaritans um and you can you can get some fantastic help there call a friend you know speak to a partner to a family member to a loved one you know pick up the phone send a text message it's okay to say that you're not okay if you're struggling it is not a sign of weakness to admit that you're struggling is a sign of strength and it's the first step to getting the help that you need and I'll put myself out there as well guys if if anybody wants to get in touch with me and just have a chat you know, and just just air their worries, you know, have a conversation, whatever that might be, you know, please do drop me a line, drop me an email, we can get in touch and we can do that. You know, now more than ever, we need people and we need each other. And if we can all go out and do our little bit in that respect, it's going to be a much easier Christmas for everybody. Halloween's over. You've probably noticed, anybody that's got a calendar. Um, now, if you've still got those pumpkins knocking around and you're wondering what to do with them, I mentioned this last week, I talked about this a little bit last week, right? Um, make sure that you're recycling those those pumpkins. If you've if you've used the innards, you know, beforehand to make yourself some, you know, uh, soup, stews, curries, whatever, brilliant, well done on you. Um, but if you've got those carved pumpkins left over, make sure you're disposing of them responsibly. Now, you can put them in your food waste bin, but for me, if you've got a bit of a garden, that can be a little bit of a waste. Put them outside for nature, all right? The bugs, the insects, the birds, the animals are absolutely going to love this. It's a, it's a free meal, isn't it? 
really. Now, if anybody's watched uh, Autumn Watch this this past week, um, there were some really good hints and tips about this as well, which if you haven't seen it, I want to share it with you now. Now, the animals in your garden are going to love those, those pumpkins, all right? So put them out there. But what you want to be doing, if you've got a carved pumpkin, uh, try and chop it up a bit and don't make it an enclosed space as it is now. Because what we've been finding is hedgehogs have been climbing through the holes and they've been getting themselves caught, trapped inside the pumpkin. All right, so just take a knife, chop it in half, whatever you need to do, and lay it out for the animals. The other thing to bear in mind as well, and this is about the hedgehogs, is put some down on the ground. Hedgehogs love a bit of pumpkin, but if they eat too much, they get diarrhea, and you don't want a pooey hedgehog in your garden. It's not fair on them, really, is it? So put some up high. Right, stick some on top of a shed, stick some in some bird feeders, stick them on a table, whatever it might be. All right, spread it around a little bit so all your different wildlife in your garden, you know, all of them can have a little bit of a crack at it. Um, and they've got a lovely feed coming up to the winter. Happy days all round. Um, and it's, it's giving back to nature a little bit, isn't it? How do you fancy taking part in a prize draw? Yeah, I've had a little bit of a thought. I want this to be more interactive and I want you, the listeners, to get involved with what I do here. So if you've got any questions or stories or just contributions, anything you can think of that you'd, you'd like me to talk about or maybe you want to um, send me an audio question, which you can do, follow the links online for that. Um, or if you even want to sort of like be part of an interview and get involved, uh, I'm looking for you guys to get uh, involved in this and and add some stuff to it, right? Um, and if you do, three lucky—I <laughs> say lucky—three <laughs> lucky winners will be chosen by random, and you will each get a signed autograph copy of my book of poetry, Woolstag Poetry and Words. Um, and I'll even personalise the. Um, the, the the autograph for your inside as well so um you tell me what to write i'll write it in there as long as it's not my bank details right i'm not doing that right not that there's anything in there anyway it wouldn't make any difference um so yeah get in touch guys so it is i am wolfstag at outlook.com okay um or you can find me on the anchor website uh, for the podcast or head over to my website wolfstag.net and you can find links there or find me on instagram you can you can actually find me on on uh, twitter as well i am wolfstag but i don't use that very often but by all means you're welcome to find me that way okay but instagram i am wolfstag find me on there uh like share send me a message leave me some good feedback on the podcast whatever it might be uh, i'm really looking forward to you guys to, uh, hearing from you and getting involved yeah and three lucky winners whatever you want, not the credit card details, or where I live, or my telephone number. Anything else is fine. So most of you will know already that one of the things that I I do is, is write poetry. Um, and I've been doing it in, in one form or another for years. And if anybody listened to, to the podcasts uh, a couple of weeks back where I was speaking to David, the... Um, guitar twanger my cousin um you'll know it originally started off writing lyrics so what i write tends to be a little bit lyrical and i'm one of those people that just kind of like it's difficult for me to to sit down 
and just go, right, I'm going to write some poetry. Ideas come to me at, at all times, in the shower, often late at night when I'm in bed and I've just got words bouncing around my head and I'm coming out with, that was even a bit of poetry there, wasn't it? <laughs> that might turn into something. Um, but yeah, it, it can be any time and the inspiration can be anything and it could be it could be something that means something to me that's just inspired me uh, or it could just be flights of fancy uh fantasy really just you know um little phrases something will trigger there'll be a little rhyme or something like that so i'm always i suppose a little bit lyrical in the way that i write things it's always got a little bit of a, a beat to it um and that's just kind of the, the way i do it i'm I mean, I enjoy reading poetry where there is no rhyme, and there's, there's like there's two schools here. And for anybody that's into poetry, there's those that love the rhyming stuff, and those that love the stuff that is just this this free flow of words. Um, always felt a little bit like free form jazz that, and it could go completely anywhere. Um, so anything that kind of rhymes for me is just like I say, it's it's musical, it's lyrical, and that's where I come from. So I've been uh, I've been writing, been writing some more. I've got I've got a few. Uh, going on at the moment and do you know what sometimes they'll come in a, in a complete uh in, in a complete form and i'll write it and i'll never change a word of it it just is just inspiration it's just bang and it hits and other times it'll be a, a couple of lines or a little rhyme something uh, and then I'll, I'll write that down and i'll leave it and i'll come back to it and i'll play with it a little bit more and maybe i'll pinch something from somewhere and, and mix and match so I don't have, you know, if anybody says, what's your writing process? I don't really have one. It's just kind of as the inspiration hits and how it works, you know, and that can be, I'm not in control of it. Not in control of it. It's just, yeah, it, it's it's from another place. <laughs> it sounds a bit airy-fairy, I know. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of, I'm working on, on a, a whole uh, load of other poems at the moment. And when I've got enough, whenever that will be, I don't force it, I don't push it. But when I've got enough for, for a second book, um, I'll, I'll collect them all together and I'll put them out there. And I hope you enjoyed those too. So anyway, what I thought I'd do for you this week is I'd just share one that I wrote um, a few months back now, actually. Um, really pretty much in the middle of lockdown. And this was just looking around the things in my house um, and just almost putting together a bit of a, a trail, a map uh, around the house, just as a just as a bit of an, a brain exercise. And I came up with this one, um, which I'm going to uh, read for you next. So uh, I hope you enjoy it, uh, and it'll, it'll uh, make an appearance in book two when that comes along. Cheers, guys. Twixt forest fawn and golden hue, take the path that calls to you. Upon the beach where my boat lies, the wizard ship can hear your cries. Set a course for Starfish Bay, compass set to ten, they say. South, southwest, to sail at leisure, and on that path you'll find my treasure. The key to many wondrous things, golden jewels and sparkle rings. Unlock the mighty fortress gate, inside will hold your lifelong fate. The gate it lies within the oak, ancient wood, academic cloak. Here lies within a casket bold, and you will find a treasure untold.
on the rare occasion that I actually listen back to this podcast, I'm terrible, you know. I, re- I record this stuff and very rarely do I ever listen back, much to my detriment, I guess. I, re- I really should go back and, and check some of the things that I'm saying. I kind of take it on faith that I've remembered <laughs> what I've said and it's all right. Um, if it's awful, please do let me know. Um, but every now and again, I listen back and I'm very aware that um, my accent seems a little bit all over the place. Now, I was kind of aware of this beforehand and people have told me that in the past, you know, they'll, they'll stop and ask where I'm from. Now, to explain, right, um, some of you listening to this now will 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 know me or, or, or know of me, um, so you'll know where I'm from. I'm from a town that sits on the banks of the River Mersey, right? It's called Ellesmere Port. We are literally across the water from Liverpool. We can look out. If we go down to, to the river, uh, we can look across and we can see Liverpool. And we've got Birkenhead a little bit further up the road. So round here, it's very much a Scouse accent. It's very much an, a, a northwest Merseyside accent. Um, but where we are as well, it's also wedged and nestled uh, between uh, North Wales um and cheshire we're in cheshire we're classed as cheshire we are a little bit posh in that respect <laughs> ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> we do get snobbish about it around there so we're, we're right with a town right next door to chester as well which is a lovely it's like my favorite place on earth love chester love chester zoo love love the town love the story house there um it's a it's a great place if you if you're ever if you're not from the area and if you ever just fancy sort of like going out for a nice meal and just kind of chilling uh get yourselves to chester the sun obviously when lockdown's finished don't go there now everything's shut right anyway so that's there so it's, it's always it's a little bit of a mixed bag right my dad's born and bred from ellesmere port my mum's originally from Birkenhead, but she moved around. My nan was from Birkenhead. My granddad was from Mid Wales, you know. Um, but that's kind of, you know, it's it kind of, you kind of would imagine then it's kind of very much a sort of like a, a Scouse accent. Now, here's the weird thing, right? Um, if I am in Liverpool, people say I'm posh because of my accent. They hear the accent and they think that's a posh accent. But if ever I go outside of Liverpool, if ever I go like into Manchester or or anywhere else around the country, people go Scouser, right? So I'm very aware there's this weird kind of mix going on with my accent, and even even then, it still gets a little bit mixed up for some bizarre reason. You can hear all sorts of little twinges. Um, the reason for this is I worked for for before I got into youth work and tutoring and training and all that kind of malarkey that I do now and I love doing it. I had a whole other career working in finance and working in call centers. Um which it's a learning experience. I can't say I loved it. I met some brilliant people there who was, you know, are still friends. Um it gave me the ground and I think that I needed to do what I do now because it taught me how to talk to people how to communicate how to build relationships so i can't knock it you know i took an awful lot from that but i wouldn't want to do it again but working in those sort of environments and it's very sort of call center based you end up speaking to people from all around the country and what i discovered happened with me is when i started doing that i really started picking up accents 
and I would modulate my voice for the person I was speaking to and try and I don't know whether I was doing that consciously or, or unconsciously, uh, but to try and sort of like build rapport, I would I would it was I was kind of mirroring what what they were doing, their speech patterns and stuff like that. And I can't I, I kind of found that it worked, right? One of the things that really happened is I worked in one place for a few years. Um, and, and when we were in the teams there, we were split into geographical areas. So people dealt with the Northwest, some people dealt with London, some people dealt with the Midlands. And I was put on the team that dealt with the Northeast, um, you know, Newcastle, Sunderland, Tarnham, Weir, all those places up there. And I found I started picking up the Geordie accent. Uh, and even even now, I find some of the some of the phrasings and things that I say do have a little bit of a Geordie uh, twinge to it. Um, even though I've never been, <laughs> and I need to go. I probably need to go. Um, I need to go up to Newcastle. I need to go uh, up to Northumberland. There's some of the countryside in Northumberland, by the way. Sort of like changing the subject a little bit. It's fantastic. So one of the things I need to be doing this year, and what I'm planning to do is 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 getting up there camping. Um, along with other places, I've got ideas for camping in 2021. Fingers crossed we can do that. But yeah, all these influences of people. You know, you, now it's weird, isn't it? With with accents, you get some people who will like move abroad and they will completely retain their original accent. Um, you know, you get like British people that go over to America and they still sound as British as the day they left. And you get other people that will just just completely pick up the accent and lose you know lose any sort of sense of their original accent and i wonder why that is it's a bit of a weird one i wonder whether it's part of fitting in in your mind you know whether you're trying to fit in or you're whether trying to you're trying to retain your identity it's a bit of a bit of a weird one um and i've, I've never done it on purpose i don't think it was it was really about fitting in it was just you know, when you're hearing something all the time like that, and I think it's because I've got a kind of talk about the poetry when you've got like a, a musical, lyrical ear. You, you listen for those tones and intonations and and patterns and, you know, the, the lyrical nature of, of language. And sometimes that just gets stuck in your head, as it tends to do with, with me. So, yeah, so if you're ever wondering where I'm from, that that's where I'm from. Um but if you're ever wondering about the accent, yeah, absolutely, it's properly all over the place. And that, you lovely people, is the end of this week's episode. I hope you've uh, enjoyed listening to my incessant rambling. <laughs> hey, look, while I still enjoy doing it, um, I'm still going to be doing it. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Um if you have any questions, if you want to get in touch at all, any questions or anything you want to um, add to the podcast, you know, any interesting stories, any of any of that kind of stuff, please do get in touch with me. I am Wolfstag at Outlook.com. Um, you can also find me on social media. So if you want to head over to my website, that's got links on there, Wolfstag.net. Or Instagram's the one I tend to use the most. Not a massive fan of Facebook. Don't really use Twitter that much, but I do like a little bit of Instagram now and again. Um, so if you head over there, you can find me there at I am Wolfstag and, and say hello. Drop me a line. Um, say something creative though in the first line, otherwise you look like one of those weird bots that tends to pop up on Instagram and follows you. You know those ones that people have got like absolutely no posts but a thousand followers. Um, 
So, yeah, please, please don't be one of them. Um, so, yeah, please do get in touch. Uh, so I hope you've listened to this week's episode and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye now. Thank <music> you.